0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random Encounter episode 226-226. I'm Jonah O'Logan, and today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, usually what happens is Greg or I, we come in with our little song and dance. We talk about a few recent games, uh, have some reviewers on, uh, you know, shift you over to those reviews, have a great time. But uh, today, someone is going to be doing me a service. They're going to be explaining to me in stark black and white why I should be playing a certain RPG series, a very long-running RPG series, that I have completely missed, except for the first uh, entry. And that is the Tales series. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we released uh, a feature called So You Want to Get into the Tales series. And it was a breakdown of what the kind of structure is of Tales and uh, the best games you should play in each one of the generations. And then we had some other uh, extra sections where members of the site talked about their favorite entries of the series. Uh, It's an amazing feature. And I read it and I was like, oh, hell yeah, we should be doing this on random. So uh, yeah, we have two big Tales fans here today, uh, and one of whom uh, wrote the fantastic article. So uh, I'd like to introduce Wes Iliff. Wes, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful today. Yes, Wes, absolutely destroyed me on the retro quiz show episode <laughs> i'm still riding that high yeah i i can tell it's just <laughs> rubbing it in my face just your smug silence as i was talking i'm a true monster yes but did he win the whole thing well you're gonna have to listen to find out and you can of course download that episode of retro encounter uh and then we have our resident uh, social media maven who has just completed tales of Rise. leaky steph sabidlow no
1: you were good maiden stuff that was like tales applicable oh my god
0: i'm sorry but leaky stuff is is never going to die (laughs) it's it's just it's just too good
1: sure my audience is i am dry like my wit (laughs) 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 terrible Keep an eye out for our future Tales article where we rank the gummy flavors and try out some of the Tales cooking recipes. I would kill for Mabo Curry, like straight up. I know they actually sell that in Japan, but I would kill for that stuff.
2: (laughs) My wife went on a trip and just got some and was just rubbing it in my face (gasps) the whole time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that's when so nice. I. Wait, is she like Tales, Tales Fan 2?
2: She is. Uh, we, oh,
1: so you play together? We'll
2: probably talk about this a little bit, but I've played most of the game's multiplayer with her. That's how I've oh, experienced so cool. a lot of the series.
1: Oh, uh, so did Arise kind of uh, like poo-poo you a little with the lack of multi?
0: It, it it broke our heart a little bit. No, that's too bad. It seems to be a uh, staple of the series.
1: I didn't know it was that popular, to be honest. You know, like not until uh, they said they they axed it for Arise, so, you know, it was kind of... Interesting. I did enjoy it too, but I didn't know it was popular, popular.
2: Yeah, I think it's still a bit niche, but you know, you remove a feature and
0: the fans are going <laughs> to, they're going to cry. They're going to cry out.
1: <laughs> well, actually, let
0: me ask you about your respective, uh, history with the Tales series. Like I said, mine is not much.
1: You did start with the first one though. And the first was the last.
0: <laughs> I played the first one. I didn't play an official version of it. I played a fan translation of it where, uh, <laughs> there is some infamous language in it, um, <laughs> There is some infamous language, which I would need a Chocobo to bleep.
1: I love that Chocobo.
0: Yeah, I love the Jaff. <laughs> really putting in the work, that Chocobo. <laughs> it's like a tiger. There we go. <laughs> Though That Chocobo is doing some heavy lifting. Um So yeah, but that that's it. I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I thought it was a good game. I thought it was a little derivative of Chrono Trigger, considering that it had time travel and it was a late generation SNES game. Um, I tried Tales of Destiny for the PlayStation, and it just didn't really click with me. I rented it. I returned it. That was it. And I just lost track of the series after that. And it turns out that there has been at least uh, two or three entries after that point in this series. (laughs) Just two or three? Just a couple. Just a few.
1: You didn't miss much so you got not much to catch up on. Yeah,
0: exactly. If I start well, how long would it take me? Like a couple of days maybe? long what did weekend.
1: Look it, it on did it like hit the 25th anniversary or past the Yeah, yeah past 25th the 20th, is yeah, uh,
0: kind of the release of Arise marked it for them.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Uh Wes, what what's your history with the series? Like when did you start it and how and obviously you enjoy it. You wrote a big feature about it. Me and Tales go way back. Uh I
2: I I actually rented Tales of Destiny much like you did and Uh, Played it a little bit and was like, ah, maybe this isn't for me and and returned it. But sometime later, I saw the the cover to Tales of Eternia as I was just a little baby weeb. And I saw anime characters on the cover and said, I must have this. Mm -hmm. Um, Played it alone, had some fun. And then it really came alive when I had a friend over and we noticed, hey, we can set more than one character to manual. I wonder how that works. Uh, And from there, we just kind of blasted off. Uh, We played through that with two people and then four people later on. Um, Never got tired of it. And every game that's come out since, I've played most of them with at least one other person, although I have done a few solo um, things like Tales of of the Abyss that were just too impressive to leave by the wayside when I didn't have someone to play with. And uh, Steph, how
0: about you? What is your history with the Tales series?
1: Uh, Quite the same. Like, uh, yeah, I was pretty much attracted to the to the box art. Uh, I had a PlayStation. I remember we're renting so much stuff back then. Uh, So, yeah, I started exactly from Destiny, um, you know, quickly jumped onto Eternia and Fantasia because it was like, what? There's one that we never got. Um, And, you know, the rest was history. I've just been kind of playing it ever since.
0: Yeah. Fans of the series tend to be fans of this series. Yes. Well, let's dig a little bit into that. Why are there fans of this series? Wes, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Tales series in general? What makes it a Tales game? Uh, why these games are uh, staples of the RPG, 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 <laughs> the RP genre, the RP the genre. genre. <laughs> yes. RP genre.
2: There's a, a really fascinating history as to how the series was born that kind of ties in with Star Ocean. That I don't yeah. want to go into here, but I advise anyone who's interested to do a little bit of digging because it's just a, a fascinating bit to dig into. But really, when when Tales of Fantasia came out, it was really um identified by two things that made it stand out one was the battle system which is a side scrolling action battle system that was meant to evoke ideas of a of a fighting game um, which was pretty unique to it and the other was its use of voice.
1: Was that was that like specifically like it wanted to evoke like real time fighting game not necessarily uh, action rpg?
2: Yeah, they they have uh, cited fighting games as a specific source um, never more cool. clearly than with Tales of Legendia where they had yeah. um, the Soul Calibur team working on uh, on the game. I
1: thought that was a cool idea. I just wish it turned out different.
2: I get that. Yeah. <laughs> but those those really were the pillars upon which it evolved, too. Uh, The action got more and more complex and intense. The progression started tying in closer to that. Characters started playing more uniquely, so there was a little bit more fascination with both multiplayer, you know, everyone plays a different character. Even playing single player, you jump between characters, and oh my goodness, And later entries, they feel like different games. Um, And the voice tied in as we got both, you know, games where voice dialogue was the default, uh, as well as skits that you would regularly get these these voiced little side conversations that would really flesh out your party members in ways that a lot of RPGs at the time just weren't doing, um, as well as the the famous tales of intro songs.
1: Multiplayer, it's like to take out multiplayer out of Arise is one thing, but I think to take out like skits in an opening would have the fans riot.
2: That I think that's the thing that would really hurt folks because as much as I love multiplayer, as much as I will uh, go to bat for it, probably yeah. during the next hour, yeah. um, <laughs> it wasn't universally used. It was a lovely feature that was
0: not as appreciated as maybe it should have been (laughs) well that was one of the most impressive things about the original snes game was that there were voice samples in it
1: i love the song oh my god the fact they actually have like a full length you know j-pop song to to start off with it does not sound pretty but they did it
0: yeah
2: that's it's crazy it's a super nintendo game it made tales of fantasia into something of like a a
0: technical powerhouse when it came out yeah certainly in terms of sound yes so yeah there's there's the uh there's the action-based combat. There are, like you said, the killer theme songs uh, and the voice work. Uh, there is also a real focus on character. Big time. And I think that their their use of voice really drove that home.
2: It's almost more important than the plot of the game Are the characters that you're following along the way, that you're getting in those skits with, that you're doing silly Hot Springs quests with as, you know, the, the staple anime-style uh, cutscenes go along. It's all about the characters. A person's favorite Tales cast is likely their favorite Tales game.
1: Yes. I, I love that there's like banter between them. I like that there's like usually always a bunch of like cooking skits where you get to know their tastes. Uh, I think one game usually has a skit devoted to if someone's a cat person or a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's there's a lot of variety. And so in terms of, you know, they kind of give you skits to update the story, but they also give you just a lot just to flesh out characterizations or just to goof around. The goofy ones are probably some of the most fun
0: memorable absolutely what are your respective favorite casts (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there are a lot of good ones uh (laughs) i know
2: (laughs) vesperia probably takes the top for me but it's in a lot of heavy contention (laughs)
1: yeah
2: um it plays with moral gray areas in ways that it doesn't fully resolve which i kind of appreciate um i don't like you know dark and edgelord but while dealing with heavy topics it doesn't really veer all the way into there Um, All of the characters kind of pick where their moral lines are
0: and they stick with them and everyone kind of respects it uh, to a degree. Another, I guess, staple of the series is uh, made up words. (laughs) Many made up words, uh, as in tales of blank.
1: Amusingly, you could probably replace like your MacGuffins with almost like the same, like any sort of word. Yeah, a lot of it it feels pretty interchangeable.
0: I would kill for a tales of MacGuffin.
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah, just get, get straight to it.
0: Tales of MacGuffins. And it's just like everyone wears a fedora. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> oh, you can't have that arranged, actually. That's actually,
0: yeah, that's totally possible. <laughs> a film noir tales game.
1: I always like doing the one run where everybody looks like an idiot. Like with the rise, I did the, the farmer outfits. Everybody looked great.
0: Because <laughs> that's
2: one of the other things that we didn't even really touch on much is that, uh, especially from like Symphonia on, costumes yeah. became a huge thing. Attachments like hats and wings and dog ears and everything. Um, you can make your cast look as fabulous or ridiculous as you want in any given Tales game.
1: I enjoy the sunglasses. I like how much everyone looks like a jerk. (laughs) 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 I look so cocky.
0: (laughs) That's a fun idea that if you have a character who's kind of a jerk and you just want to step it up that extra level.
1: Oh, it it works perfectly. Yeah, you know, or, you know, you you get kind of like the the dad vibe from elephants. You give them the glasses too.
2: Steph, are you the kind of person who, uh, changes the costumes like first playthrough or do you go mostly canon until like, oh my every God, play? no,
1: literally every new chapter, I would change it for everybody. Oh, fantastic. I had so much fun with it. <laughs> i really really enjoy cosplaying my video game characters it's true i spend the money on it and everything
2: that's wonderful i
1: spent a lot of money on the graces ones too and like they had a few really good ones they had like the evangelion pack uh now they're doing a sword art online one for like 20 bucks ah
2: just give me some dot hack to go with it and i'll be happy
1: right that's what i was totally thinking i would have been really cool
0: well despite the fact that some of these games uh, like all of them have their strengths uh and weaknesses uh, there are a lot of them. There are tons yes. of them, and the reason why we have this uh, article up on RPG Fan is because where the hell do you start? So let's <laughs> let's say that I have only played the first game just for fun, and I'm thinking, boy, this sounds like a series that I'd like to step into. Like w- there are certain there are other games should I avoid? Should I pick a game to start with? What generation should I start with? So that's what we're going for with this uh with this feature. So. Let's. We're going to go through and we're going to break them down by generation, just like in the uh, the feature. But So let's let's start with the first generation, Wes. Uh, I guess my first question for you is first generation uh, Tales of Eternia uh, for the PlayStation 1. I want to ask you, now, wh- why shouldn't I start with Tales of Phantasia? Why should I start with Tales of Eternia instead?
2: So it's always a, a tricky answer because the nice thing about the Tale series is that most of the stories stand alone or at least stand alone enough that you won't necessarily see the connections um, and you won't miss anything important. Mm. But what Eternia did for me is one, the combat feels so much more fluid, so much more tight than it did in, Fantasia and the uh, Tales of Destiny.
1: The switch from like a uh, sort of like grid based, you know, tile backgrounds like Destiny and Fantasia to like the hand drawn oh, yeah. backgrounds is so gorgeous. Like it's a perfect beginning PlayStation and end of PlayStation difference.
2: It's it's artistically beautiful. Not to mention that like the design of someone like Reed Herschel is exactly my uh, little heart's desire, right there. That's what I want all my JRPG main characters to look like.
1: What a personality! Where he's like really sleepy and annoyed and just wants to go home, and and then in the eleventh hour, he's like, okay, let's let's go save the world. We gotta we gotta help people now.
0: I mean, that's a pretty relatable
1: narrative really. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but it, it also, you know, it it introduced a lot more of these like cool staples. It has a little bit of goofiness to it, but. Not so much that it overshadows the main plot, which is occasionally a danger in some Tales games. Um, It's expansive as well. It's uh, one of the Tales games where you have two full worlds to explore. Um, And like a lot of Tales games, it hits a halfway point where it feels like the game could be done, but no, you still got a long ways to go. Everything you know is going to get upended. Um, You're going to play a lot more. Uh, But it focuses on a tighter cast. You've got a few party members, but there's really a core four that you're following for most of the game. So it really helps you, in early Tales games, they never translated the skits, and for a while they would translate the skits but not voice them. So it got pretty difficult to get a feel for who these characters are. I
1: think they just translated like the helping instructions. Yep. It's like we gotta go here. It's like oh
2: if you press the skit button, you just get directions as to where to go <laughs> yeah. next.
1: Which is um, nice, but
2: which is rough. So like that entire first generation, you don't have a proper yeah. localization. Um, which is why I think the the focus nature of Tales of Eternia is so helpful. Like you only focus on four characters, so you get a feel for them even without the skits. Even though obviously I'd love to see a re-release with everything intact.
0: Yeah, because I mean the first speaking about localization. This game, Tales of Attorney, wasn't actually released in North America as Tales of Attorney. It was released as Tales of Destiny 2. Yeah. So if anyone out there doesn't really follow, but they played Tales of Destiny 2, then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I okay, that game now. I get it.
1: It's literally the question I see so much is like, do I have to play the first game? And, you know, quite often, unfortunately, with a lot of JRPGs, it's just like, no, you, you really don't. The series, especially. They,
2: they stand alone. More, more yeah. than most, uh,
0: it's you know Final Fantasy style. Even
1: the like the ones that are like pseudo connected, so Fantasia and Symphonia, like the the connections are very negligible.
0: Okay, so they're more thematic connections than well, very much like Final Fantasy. So like Final Fantasy, you have Chocobos, uh, various spells that you recognize, things like that that carry uh, that carry uh, entry to entry, but characters and world generally does not.
2: Yeah, and and you'll get your Sid type characters, your Wonder Chefs, and and mm-hmm. what have you, but. Um... Yeah, it's not going to be like, oh my goodness, this character who is vital to the plot, I will only
0: learn about them if I go play, you know, Tales of Legendia.
1: <laughs> Ten years back. <laughs>
0: I looked at the graphics of this game and you're both right. Like the game looks absolutely stunning, uh, especially mm-hmm. compared to the first, like Tales Tales of Fantasia. It looks like a, a a solid late entry Final Fantasy esque kind of
1: it's perfect yeah snes rpg yeah
0: snes rpg and uh tales of destiny looks like well a a late era snes rpg or like a very (laughs) really does
1: yeah it just looks like a very like an even better snes game
0: (laughs) yeah they they did not figure out oh we're on a 32-bit system now we can do (laughs) some more things yeah uh tales of destiny 2 or tales of eternia it, it took a very different root than obviously Final Fantasy 7. Absolutely.
1: they sort of stuck with that style too like there was a bunch of 2D uh, Tales releases after that.
0: Yeah so many that they refused to give us a lot of them in America because they thought we wouldn't buy 2D games.
1: They might have been
2: right
0: I'm not sure I'm still salty. Well that's what I was about to say the funny thing about it is that if you look at like Final Fantasy 7 today versus Tales of Eternia which game looks better and the answer (laughs) is clear it's Tales of Eternia. Tales of Eternia is gorgeous. If this was released today there would be no complaints at all they'd be like this is pixel art and it's finest.
1: Oh, I love that pixel art rage that well actually.
0: And there are
2: so many cool animations in the game too. Seeing it in action is an entirely different thing because uh some of the higher level arts and spells are these big elaborate yeah. animations yeah. <laughs> including some that are like bespoke. There is a casting for indignation, kind of this big, you know, one of the ultimate spells kind of throughout the series, this big lightning spell. Um, And there's a variant of it when you're fighting a specific hidden boss that you don't have to fight. And if you use the right ability at the right time, you'll do like this four person animation where all your party members voice. And there's this huge like screen spanning, you know, the clouds darken in, the lightning starts striking. You don't have to see that. That is completely optional content within optional content. But they put so much care into those animations that like when you see it in action it feels it feels latter-day final fantasy flashy (laughs) they actually do deserve
1: some credit for the like the sort of end of game content stuff you know either post or end of game like they do a lot of it they tend to go pretty big on that they
2: really do things that feel like you know by by any other developer this should be required content because it's so significant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm. One thing I like too, I actually noticed is that like even from early on, even from like Eternia and Destiny, like they actually did a lot of the cameo cameo from previous games, yes. which even having nothing to work with, but they still had like cameo fights in. and I thought that was really cool. You know, this, this like this whole series might not be connected very literally, but I mean, they, they keep the, you know, the thematic, you know, visuals and motifs quite alive.
2: Hmm. Yeah. You're going to be able to go into a, a, an arena or something and fight oh, yeah. class. <laughs> like it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's say that I wanted to play Tales of Eternia. Where how do I play it? Or can I? PSP is probably the one the one go-to, which is unfortunate. With these older ones, they haven't gotten the re-releases they deserve, but there is a PSP version that isn't too expensive you can track it
0: down did they give it did they update the uh translation the localization or is it still
1: lacking not at all
0: yeah sadly not um (laughs) the original is on ps1 it's a lot
2: more expensive to find um but you might be able to you know track down a used copy uh play it with a multi-tap on your old playstation (laughs) with a bunch of friends that's that's the real experience
1: (laughs) Or worst case, I think you could watch Scott play it on our stream. He has it archived. Yeah, because he did play the PlayStation 1 version.
0: Considering the fan base that this series has, I would be surprised if there wasn't some kind of a fan translation, fan restoration hack.
1: No.
2: There's not? Wow, that's surprising. There are so many that they have to translate that there's always one in progress, but they can't get all of them at once. So uh,
1: That's the thing. Yeah, I think they're more focused on, like, the untranslated stuff. That's true. Yeah, so, like, right now I think there's very big uh, efforts to, like, get the actual Tales of Destiny 2 translated, which is literally a sequel to Tales of Destiny, and uh, Rebirth, Tales of Rebirth, which never made it over here.
2: Huh. Which is one that people were very excited for before launch, before they realized we wouldn't get it in the West. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They'll announce it any day, right? Right. keep hope alive and it never happened yeah.
0: i'm glad those days are mostly behind us now mostly agreed um all right well i mean snes and playstation eras are my childhood uh my late teenage years uh and very early 20s we moved into the second generation so for this generation a whole bunch of games came out but the choice that you put down uh wes was tales of the abyss which is a word that is an actual word. <laughs> that is one of few actual
2: <laughs> words. I knew this one was going to be controversial because Symphonia and Abyss are kind of powerhouses in the series. This was a mm. this was a good era, and I think it's because Symphonia really earned a lot of the fans. It had a you know the first yeah. one that had skits transla- translated, if not voiced. It was a rare RPG on the GameCube, but it was a really good RPG on the GameCube. Which are rare, and boy oh boy, did it need them. That and Skies of Arcadia kept me. Uh kept my GameCube on for a very long time.
1: Those are really good reasons to turn the GameCube on to boot.
2: <laughs> but uh, Abyss took the edge for me. One, because uh the story is fascinating. It has one of the good. best main character growths in any RPG I've ever played.
1: But like even in a series of like very story-driven games and character-driven games, yes. Abyss blows it out of the water.
2: It's wild. Yeah. I, I would put it at or near the top like I, I love Vesperia, but I can't deny what Abyss does so wonderfully.
1: Yeah. If you are looking for that story-based RPG, you want that big focus on it, then at least Tales of the Abyss is still pretty easy to get on the 3DS. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and a pretty optimal version of it because it decreases load times significantly compared to the PS- PS2 version.
2: And makes the world map a little bit less of a stutter fest. <laughs> oh, I forgot
1: about that. Yeah.
2: So you say that the main character is kind of a jackass?
1: Oh, he's the oh, best jackass. Yes. he is.
2: He is a complete... <laughs> idiot he is a borderline cruel at all times he he does he makes the wrong decision at every possible point. He's a spoiled brat.
1: He's a spoiled rich kid, so you even love to hate him. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and,
2: okay. And the fact that they managed to make you just absolutely love this character by the end is a trick and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he goes through the, he really goes through it, though. So, I mean, they really put him through uh, the, the ringer.
0: Yeah, he, he atones uh, in a lot of ways. I feel like that that is a trick, and the localization must be fantastic if that is, uh, if they are able to pull that one off in English.
2: Yeah, Killer, killer voice acting throughout the whole thing. Uh, I know that dubs versus subs are a controversy, one controversy if we're speaking English, Mm -hmm. and one that I think (laughs) is ridiculous. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs)
1: One thing I liked is that it also did start a a good trend of like a a lot of you know literally human final bosses. Like I actually like the stakes were were actually very personal in that game. Wait, wait, wait! wait, You don't kill God. Yeah, you don't actually go out and kill God. Uh, You know, he's got his godlike superpower at that point. But, I mean, he's very much the same person he always was. And they set it out pretty early on that something's either wrong or not good with him. So you actually follow his story pretty closely as well.
2: Yeah, the tale series has a lot of villains that are like, oh, you get their whole life story. You understand the path they (laughs) followed. Uh, Even if they clearly
0: did the wrong thing at a certain point, you... You understand them. I mean, that's what you kind of want from a good villain. You want a villain who, if they made slightly different choices, could be a hero. Absolutely.
1: I, I actually really like the fact they've also created a few villains who have absolutely no regrets. Like uh, yeah. Tales of Symphonia ends very explicitly with a hero with a villain, sorry, that explicitly wants to be gone because he will not change his mind. Yeah, and I love that. <laughs> that's pretty dark, and I love it. It
2: gets you a good mix. The, the Tale series always is like surprisingly dark. It takes its dark turns in every single game. Yes. Um, some start out very dark, like Tales of Arise, which we'll get to. But-
1: oh my god yeah i was like oh my god this game is, is really killing it's me right now dower yeah the music too is just Oh so, yes accurate it, it gets nice as soon as you uh liberate it uh you know ogre battle style um but sorry just about liberation
0: liberation um
1: and it gets a little bit happier but um you know it, it starts very very dark yes did it keep it you'll have to find out we'll talk
0: about that in a bit um what makes this different? Like, so it has a big generational leap. So it's this is on like PS2, GameCube era. Uh, what what makes it different? Like, what do they do with the graphics? How do yeah. they how do they overhaul the battle system? Battle system was a big change because with Tales of Symphonia we
2: saw the transition to three D models, uh, but it still very much ran on two D planes. Each character and the enemy they were focusing had their own two D plane.
1: The enemies moved around in three D. I was kind of jealous.
2: Yeah. yeah, you feel you feel a little uneven at that point, um, but. Uh, and this has been a staple for a long time. Even if your characters are spread out across a 3D distance, the spot between them and their, the enemy they have targeted is a 2D plane. Um, Tales of the Abyss broke that open by giving you the option to free run. So all of a sudden you could break out of that 2D plane. Avoiding attacks became way more So it viable. broke it open
1: and made it broken. <laughs> and it made it
2: broken. They had not quite figured out how to make that uh <laughs> and still maintain a challenge at that, at that point.
1: You could literally run from like even the most, you know, biggest of spells. You could just kind of run away from it. It's actually kind of hilarious looking. Click that
2: trigger button and <laughs> yeah. do a do a zoomer. Uh, <laughs> 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 and in circles around good. the enemy. <laughs> but but you know it's it's got more to it than that. You know, a a slightly more mature cast um, which uh, which the Tales series excels at over time, getting more and more mature members into your party.
1: Even the kids are actually quite tolerable. The, the, yeah. you know, Little kid members tend to be very cool.
2: <laughs> and tend to show a lot of growth, uh, which is, you know, that's my hot button for any story. Uh, you show me a character who, even if they start insufferable, if they grow really well, I'm in. I'm invested. I want to see this person become the best version of themselves. But then, you know, the the story, the, the turns that it took were pretty unprecedented at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no other game in the tale series up to that point had tried to upend your expectations quite so thoroughly.
1: I'm going to say none have as much either. <laughs> Maybe Braceria though. Braceria is pretty great. Yeah. Um, but no, like, and especially because it gives it, like it really stretches its three acts to really get into the heart of a lot of its characters. So, I mean, you, you follow these, this group of villains around and uh, you get pretty thorough into each of their backstories and the roles. Um, and, Good. Like, I I remember seeing fan art for Tales of uh, the Abyss for a long, long time, and a lot of it was just because the cast and that was just so strong. Even the supporting characters uh, between side quests and just. How they know the party was a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> also, to give away a bit of the goose on this, uh, it has one of my favorite intros of the entire series. In fact, everything on my recommended have just amazing intros for me. So <laughs> take that as you will.
1: Oh, uh, uh, Karma?
2: Yeah. Oh, a yeah, uh, Bump of Chicken yeah. makes me happy.
1: Yeah, it says this is the
0: first time you actually got the uh, Japanese intro music.
2: Yeah, it was. So it had a guitar riff instead of the, the, um, the vocals, which I feel like was a bit of a downgrade. But it was still recognizably the same song, um, which was an upgrade. Uh, yeah. I was so sad at the loss of Garlet, Garnet Crow in Tales of Eternia. So, yeah, it sounds like this was a pretty big step forward for the series. Yeah, both in localization and in just executing on story and gameplay. It was, you know, it was a big leap.
1: And it's still relatively playable. So, I mean, it like, is. I, I think it gets both of our, like, top tier recommendations. So, Jono, oh, you are looking for a new one to play.
2: Yeah, this, this is one of, like, the three that I would recommend. Like, okay, let me learn a little bit about you. Then I'm going to pick one of these three for you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's on 3DS, so it's available. Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah. Oh well, that's I mean so far it sounds like the best one yet. Uh let's jump ahead another generation then. Let's go to third generation. So this would be the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 and Wii generation and it's Tales of Vesperia.
1: But what about Symphonia too? <laughs> What on. about
0: Symphonia 2? I'm not seeing it on the list here, Wes. <laughs> <For> the... <laughs> uh, it might be on the second
2: page, and if it is, it will be Prolonged Weeping. I might have even wrote, written that one because no one else wanted to. I don't remember. <laughs> Symphonia 2. Hang on. W- I gotta... Worth noting, since I got credit for this, the second page is a big group effort by a lot of RPG fan. Uh, is
0: that Dawn of the New World? That is Dawn of the New World. Dawn of the New World. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's see. What did you... Symphonia, Dawn of the New World, and it is written by Wes. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, I'm just vaguely curious. Tales of the New World. Holy cripes! It got a 54 from us. Yeah. Ooh, uh,
1: okay.
0: I don't think I'm going to start with
2: that one. No, I, I would not advise ending with that one either. I believe my <laughs> final recommendation. <laughs> I believe my final recommendation was played Tales of Symphonia. And then hold that memory dear and never play Dawn of the New World to, to, to muddy that?
1: I was really happy the best ending requirements were super easy, even if super random. Because <laughs> I don't even... I think I did it, but I didn't even bother finishing the game. I was like at the final dungeon. I just YouTubed the rest. I couldn't suffer. Over it, yeah. <laughs> it's like,
0: ugh. Uh, well, let, let's move. Okay, so we're... Let's talk about uh, tales Let's talk of about happy
1: things. Yeah, happiest,
0: happier things, which is apparently the first game in the series that got a completely intact localization. Yeah, we had voiced skits. We had <gasps>
1: uh, An English opening and one of the biggest earworms of them all.
0: Yes. Oh,
2: ring a bell by Bonnie Pink, who oh, did the it. Japanese opening and the English version, um, which has become something of a tradition. We've got a lot of intros that have dual audio by the same artist. Oh, that's cool.
1: I, yeah, even like a rise. It, it did. It actually went between English and Japanese, right? Quite a yeah. bit of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool i wonder if that's i don't want to think they'll actually go looking for it but i think it, they think it's a bonus if an artist can do that
2: yeah if it's available they will use it and it's it's wonderful yeah in fact after getting to a certain point in the game you can toggle it so after beating the game i think like if you wait through the intro screen it'll swap between the japanese and english versions and it's on spotify
0: so i listen to it a lot uh So what what kind of jump did this game make with the generation? Like what what did it introduce and how is it different from the past two generations? So I think one of the biggest things that it does
2: for us in the West is that complete localization. Um, If I'm being completely honest, I think that's the big change. It's a little slower than some of its contemporaries as far as like the actual combat goes.
1: I think it's sort of like a nice bump up of what Abyss did, you know, sort of next gen bump up with, by the way, gorgeous world map. Yes. Uh, and I think the last one too.
2: I, I absolutely love the visual style, that kind of. Bright, saturated, colorful. It's
1: aged so well. Yeah, the simple tones, the palettes, you know, they've aged really well. They look really gorgeous.
2: I'm glad you're here because I feel like you know this so much better than I do. (laughs) The correct terms to to speak about how beautiful this is. Uh Well, it's a gorgeous looking game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's ultimately kind of the last of its kind, uh, which is the other reason I really like to recommend it. Because after this point, a lot of things changed. The traditional Tales battle system started getting fiddled with more and more after this point. Yeah. And the insidious nature of Tales DLC started slipping in after this one. This was the last one where a game shipped. You had the entire game there. All the costumes, all the accessories, all that were just on the disc. You could earn them through uh, through events. So it's kind of... If you want to experience the Tales, you know, the ultimate version of the tale series as it was incepted, I, I think Vesperia is it.
1: That's actually a very good point, yeah. Like, everything is a bit more, like, on high. It's sort of, like, a very traditional system on high. Like, the combos are a lot more in-depth, you know, the characters. Uh, like, Attorney, as much as I love, you know, it's really Reed who's the bread and butter of that game. But in yeah. this case, I think more of the cast really expands. Yes. Uh, in terms of their u- utility. Uh, even, even mages got to be a bit kind of fun to use. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
2: and... <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. Totally. Um, My, my wife absolutely loved playing this one with me because there were so many characters that were really interesting to play from, from Judith being really aerial and doing interesting stuff there to, you know, Raven's bow and kind of combination healing and offense
0: it was a lot of unique characters. I mean, you talked a lot about the characters in the last few games. Uh, what about the characters in this, like the cast of Vesperia? Are they any good?
1: So about that, that, that. was a leading
0: question. <laughs> uh,
1: so, so, Yuri is famously popular for being so popular that he was taken off the official like tales of character voting because he just kept number one in it.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: so, yeah. so they actually removed him and it's actually quite warranted. He's very much a breath of fresh air for, uh, for RPG protagonists, uh, Uh, And, you know, especially uh, Tails ones where they tend to be very do-gooder types, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we can all recognize. Um, And but it it doesn't stop with him, though. The entire cast is really great. Uh, I think Estelle is just the sweetest thing on the planet.
2: Oh, Estelle is so perfect. I mean, it's it's hard not to fall in love with the entire cast. Even, you know, the, the prerequisite child character that some people don't love. I, I absolutely love seeing that uh, Carol's evolution over time. One of my favorite child characters in a game.
1: I love him. He's so sweet and funny. <laughs> just, I
2: just want to hold his hand and make everything okay for him.
1: <laughs> he, he's like scared of any, everything, but he's got the biggest weapon, whether to compensate or because he's proficient. <laughs> yeah. You never know.
2: <laughs> they, they throw a lot of hints about like him actually being capable just very young. Yeah. But they're never sure fair. how much of them are... Because the cast likes to tease him. It's a lot of adults hanging around with a kid. And the yep. way that they cope with that is by teasing him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the characters you say is a doggo? Oh, yes. repeat. One of yeah. the best doggos.
1: Not your typically friendly doggo that you kind of, you know, like cartoony friendliness. But it's just the coolest doggo. He
2: is he is your partner. He is by your side the whole time. And he holds a dagger in his mouth to fight with. He's so.
1: pretty thief. So you actually uh, kind of got to bring him along. Very <laughs> cool doggo
2: (laughs) oh he's a wonderful doggo he's he's a great second player character too
1: yeah yeah he's really great to play as and i love that they actually got the human voice actor for us so it's just rough (laughs) it
2: It fits with the tone of the series though i love it
1: absolutely yeah
2: (laughs) he'll make his presence known in skits as well which is always a nice punctuation to a joke it's just a dog being there and
0: seemingly understanding Class, it's classic comedy. And we're finally getting into a time period where these games are readily available yes. uh, still. Yeah. Like, for example, uh, Alana, a couple of years ago, reviewed the uh, Definitive Edition, uh, which is available on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. She gave it an 85, so she really enjoyed and it. And
1: you get a whole bunch of extra costumes. I was so
0: excited for it. Oh. Oh. <laughs>
1: Oh, the Cosmos, uh, the Cosmos Judith one is just perfect. That
0: is
2: perfection. In yeah. all.
1: And the Chopin one, I, I really liked having on too. <laughs> and,
2: and you get a couple of extra playable characters that weren't in the original release because uh, this was released on Xbox 360 for for us in America, but it later got a release on PS3 with extra characters, extra scenarios. Oh,
1: the controversial release of the PS3 um, yeah. version. <laughs>
2: and of course, we never got any of it. Um, and we finally got it years and years later, with all of that extra content and a couple of voice acting sub-ins that are a little awkward, but you oh, can live so with. Oh, it's awkward, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's noticeable, but it's not game ruining.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. They actually did their best, all things considered. They really totally did. It. Yeah, it,
2: it was a tricky situation, but I'm just glad we got it at all.
1: Um, but like I remember, like it was sort of salt on the wound back then, because like the 360 sort of had weird little, uh, you know. Uh, what what do you like omissions you know that like uh there was even a hint of patty in the 360 version who wasn't in the game uh in the final part of the game you make some sort of magic circle that's missing literally two spots and it's really (laughs) strange looking now when you look back at it yeah it's kind of crazy
2: this would become something of a tradition for a little while yeah um like with uh tales of graces where they release a version that almost feels like the beta version and then you get the full version a little later on um we got that a little yeah. bit with Symphonia as well. We got an updated version on PS2, but that didn't have the nice frame rate of the GameCube, unfortunately. That's something that
0: did start happening in this generation for a lot of games, though. Yeah. Where it's like, not even patches. They, they knew they wanted to release a definitive edition so they could rake in some money like three years later.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard not to be cynical about a lot of things the Tales series does, despite all my love for it.
1: <laughs> they're, they're really uh, up that outfits section, so they, they totally had me hook, line, and sinker with our, our eyes. <laughs> 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 it's like, here's an outfit tab. Like, <laughs> Oh boy!
2: That is something I love to look at, but I still have some issues with. We'll talk about it.
1: Yeah, I love it and I hate it, so I'm like using it disgruntledly. I hear you. I hear
0: you. Well, let's move into some of that. uh, Some of that hating and loving the DLC because we are moving into the fourth generation, so the PlayStation Four, which is you know this is the generation where we started getting DLC, and It it sounds like the Tales series fully embrace the trend yes um so the game that came out this the game you picked for this generation as the must play is uh yep yeah
1: yeah
0: tales of Berseria. so uh obviously it's trying new things with the dlc and uh giving steph lots and lots and lots of costumes (laughs) but uh what else does it do so
2: Berseria definitely tried something new Zesteria arguably did to its detriment um is not a beloved entry
1: that was like the beta for that one almost yeah um
2: Berseria is actually a a prequel to Zestiria, and for a lot of people, almost invests them in the world enough to go back to Zestiria. Um, But I maintain that it's not necessary. (laughs) Um,
1: Watch the anime, actually.
2: Yeah. Was that you that wrote that section in the second half? Uh, I think it was uh, Alana. Okay. I saw saw the top recommendation was watch the anime, so I wasn't sure.
1: (laughs) I usually like squeezing in notes on there sometimes. I don't know if that was me, but that does sound like something I would say. But (laughs) I do recommend it now. Just watch the anime. UFO Table did a gorgeous job. (laughs) Don't they always? don't have to play it, which is even better. And it's, you know, it kind of hems up the relationships even further, if you know what I mean.
0: Oh yeah, it's Alana. Her first line is, watch Tales of Zestaria, the X. Points to Alana. Absolutely the right call. Yeah, The <laughs> X? The
2: cross.
1: The cross, yeah.
2: The cross, not the X.
1: Yeah, the Japanese love saying there are X's and crosses. I love that.
2: <laughs> but Berseria still did a, a whole lot of things that I think influenced Rise. It was yeah. almost like an attempt at a, a small reboot to see if people would accept it before they, they went a little harder on changing some fundamentals. It's a lot darker. Uh, it's a story of people who, um, well, the game, you know, pitches them as would-be villains. But when, when you play the game, it's pretty quickly, you know. It, they don't feel like villains they feel like maybe anti-heroes definitely working against an establishment but they don't feel particularly evil
1: no uh, yeah it's that cute kind of heroic framing it's like they're sort of anti-heroes but really they just got caught with the re- you know red hands at the wrong time
2: but they're a, they're a lovely cast um
1: they're so much fun they, they try they to be are. dark and brooding but like the 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 defenses between them start melting
2: yeah and, and they end up almost failing uh, at being dark uh, which is very endearing and the <laughs> combat is uh, another huge change which is something we've been seeing more and more uh
1: oh so good.
2: Ex- exploration you know up yeah. to this point um where you know they eliminate kind of the the original system which is you have one button for normal attacks and another button for arts with different directions assigned to them um to do those arts and those arts you know take up your um your mp variant uh technical points or tp in, in the tail series
1: it's it's really good they got rid of the tp i think yeah, like I like I, nobody was missing that i don't think
2: no no one was sad about no more orange gels every five seconds.
1: Yeah. So, like, like for those of you not in the know, so basically there was a very traditional sort of you know magic MP system before where you did a special attack, it consumed MP. But nowadays the games are kind of going on to CC, which is like a, a thing, you know, like a counter that you take away the points from, but the points charge back. You just can't spam stuff now.
2: The reason that was sometimes kind of a rough fit for the Tail series is that, like I said, they take a lot of inspiration from fighting games. Yeah. And imagine if you had an MP bar with Ryu, and every time you did a Hadouken, it ticked down a little bit. <laughs> And eventually- On the
1: contrary, you <laughs> imagine just your left punching at the end. <laughs> You've used all your fireballs and missed. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just punching and kicking each other. <laughs> and,
2: and it's sometimes worse because physical characters also use that TP for their, you know, s- nice physical attack. So yeah. if you wanted to do anything but the basic combo, you better be stocked up on orange gels and uh, get comfy because traditionally the tail series has a max consumable number of 15. So oh, <laughs> you're going to be doing some runs.
1: Yeah, you're just recharging your stock supply every time, which eh, not as much fun.
2: Yeah, it's it's not like it doesn't derail the series, but it's busy work you don't need.
1: Yeah, so it got rid of
0: them.
2: Yes. Um, It got rid of them completely, which had not been done in many games before that, as well as furthering that idea of making each character feel unique by giving them, uh, I believe they're called burst attacks, the the R2 attack, um, where each character has this unique attack that feeds into like their basic combos and feeds into how they operate, you know, moment to moment on the battlefield.
1: Something they just only expanded on in Arise, too.
2: Yeah, Arise- really kick that up to 11
1: which i like you know like this was already really good at the small party but varied but like i like that this gives them unique actions each now
2: agreed and, you know, it's a gorgeous game.
0: We say this about every time, uh, and we should.
1: They, they've really done the whole, like, anime graphics thing into perfection.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it looks wonderful. Alana really enjoyed it, too. She gave it an 87. It also
2: backtracked. I was so excited because it felt like it was backtracking some of the DLC practices before, as there were a lot more costumes in the game that you could just unlock. There were still DLC ones. But that's a big part of the game to me.
1: The jacket outfit is, like, the coolest, smallest yes. thing. You know? I just thought it was such a nice little neat feature. <laughs>
2: And that was like, that was a drawing point back in the days of like Symphonia is I want to do this quest and unlock a cool hat that will make me yeah. feel fulfilled inside. I like fashion. <laughs> this is this is what I'm about. And
1: then my party of do-gooders is all wearing sunglasses and like, yo, what do you need <laughs> help with? We're here.
2: <laughs> Trying to be edgy. I love it. Um, unfortunately, they would not continue in that direction. They would, you know, kind of roll right on back to the the DLC. But
1: I like the attachments though. So there's that distinction between the attachments. The attachments
2: are, yeah. yeah that's
1: kind of cool. That was a
2: nice change. Um, so that you can just put, like, sunglasses on a normal costume instead of, you know, everything is tied together with one one equipable.
1: Even, like, changing, you know, the, ha- the hairstyle and, uh, you know, the hairstyle yeah. apart from the other stuff, yeah.
0: You get a lot more control. It sounds like they, uh, I guess, I guess they uh, simplified quite a few things for this particular one. Yes. Did that make it more accessible to casuals?
2: I don't, I don't think the, ca- the games have often struggled uh, with accessibility. Um, Grace's no. had some complex combat, but no matter which game you're playing, if you're playing on normal... You can usually make it happen. But okay. it did definitely, the inputs are a little bit more simplistic. And I, I know this one might be a controversial take, but for my mind, maybe a little bit too much. I felt like I could button mash through the whole game, and I, it was hard to get invigorated unless I was hitting those burst attacks and, like, okay, now I can. Pull out my giant demon arm, and things feel a little bit more interesting. But mm-hmm. I would quickly revert back to like using the same combos because they were effective. But th- that doesn't mean it's not moment-to-moment fun. Um, I-, I I just think that they definitely took the t- the right route when evolving it after this game.
1: We'll say this: the games do evolve very nicely from one another.
0: Yeah, they take lessons from their previous games so well.
1: Uh, none more than Arise, I swear.
0: Well, from what you just said, this so many of the systems that are in this game evolve, and. We've actually reached the end of the first part of your feature. Uh, The second part goes into some of the other individual games focusing on uh, various members of the RPG fan uh, staff commenting on them. But I would like to jump ahead to the current game that is making some waves. It's still making some waves. Uh, We still have various people on staff who are playing it. Some have just started it. And that is Tales of Arise. Izzy uh, reviewed it, and they loved it. They gave it a 93 um, and also, they they turned in. <laughs> that was a, that was an interesting. It was an interesting process because uh, there were some trailers, uh, there were some uh, previews and stuff like that too. So. Uh, yeah, the game is everyone really 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 likes it. So, well, tell us tell us as Steph as someone who has just finished the game, why do people really really like it?
1: Uh it is probably literally one of the most beautiful GRP, JRPGs ever. <laughs> like it is such a gorgeous looking game. I love just how good the models look, how good the environments look. They they took a risk on a filter, but I actually think it, you know, kind of adds a unique kind of detail and, you know, animateness to it, I guess, cuz it looks kind of a bit more drawn um but it's just stunning um the battle system is super duper deep it's a lot of fun it's very chaotic uh you know and the, and the story goes through <laughs> it takes you through a lot like the other the other ones do but it's it's kind of nice just to have a new generation of of tales game i think mm-hmm. uh because as much as i love just about everything here i mean this some of the story beats are a little bit familiar so this isn't like the first game with fantasy racism or yeah. the third even with a dual planet thing but it still does a lot of what it does very well it
0: was a long break between uh, the last game and this one there they, they took up uh, was it five, five years, years? Mm-hmm. yeah i
1: think so it's
0: pretty long for the tail series
1: yeah we literally jumped from like the 20th anniversary to the 25th anniversary <laughs>
2: aside from a few mobile games peppered in there that's for mainline games
0: that's a that's a big break yes that's a big break but it sounds like it was well worth the wait
2: it almost feels like a shift um in a lot of ways you know people have considered this something of a reboot and that's not necessarily wrong even though it still keeps the foundation of tales alive um but for me it represents kind of a shift from we want this to be like you know maybe a fighting game to we want this to be like a character action game uh we want to give you like devil may cry vibes without having you uh need the expertise required to excel at devil (laughs) devil may cry um all of a sudden you're doing juggles you're doing these complex combos you're weaving in different characters attacks with your own um and it's giving you a palpable outcome on on how the battle goes.
0: And unfortunately, you're doing that completely by yourself because there is no multiplayer.
2: Breaking my heart, <laughs> breaking my heart every time. It it was the worst when my wife would come down and, and look at it because it like, just oh, looked so great. good. It looked so good. Oh, I want to play as that character because this is probably the most unique each character has felt. Yeah. Playing a Sheon, the the healer in this game, felt like unlike anything I'd ever played in a in a Tales game before.
1: The combat medic, you know, she heals but she kills.
2: Yeah, she's she's got a gun. And she ain't afraid to, u- to use it.
1: Uh kudos to Tales games for making like the last several titles for making mages actually fun to play as, like as a legit option. <laughs>
2: it's a it's a hard balance, but they they do well.
1: Yeah, and like like uh so the mage character in Arise, Rinwell, like I love that they give a whole bunch of options to like combo in spells to cast faster. Yes. Uh you know, so they actually they're actually very aware that like you know, mages are not much fun and they want to actually speed up the process of how casting or you know the fundamentals of how casting works and to make it more fun and interesting.
2: And you know, the, my favorite thing about that is all the way back to tales of eternia they've been trying to do stuff with that yeah. uh, in tales of eternia i i only found this out when we played multiplayer and someone had to play a mage there are little um directional button presses down on your character's portrait when you're casting as a as a mage and if you you know match those correctly uh it'll cast faster you'll, you'll cast faster so they they were trying to incentivize playing as a mage being a more entertaining <laughs> Uh experience that far back,
1: yeah, that's oh, that's right. I almost forgot about that, yeah, I remember Symphonia had that as well, but you know I you know they kind of working out the kinks on some of the gameplay issues. It wasn't as refined. that's so cool. um I, I love that doim has the the extending rod thing. I thought that was so weird, but I mean, like I love it, <laughs> my rod gets bigger. he's a
2: caster who wants to wants to perfect dodge to become Goku. I mean... (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, so they brought that back from from Zillia, and as weird as it is, but I mean, he's so much fun to play as. The whole cast, actually, I found myself going between all of them, and just giving them all a shot.
0: Yeah, there's not a dud in the cast. Just to be clear about the battle system, you can switch between characters on the go?
1: Perfectly, actually, yeah. You can, you you know, switch what person you're playing as, and if you have either, uh, so there's six party members, four in, uh, you can swap out any of the two that aren't in at any time.
2: And do you even have special attacks for them? that uh almost ff10 style uh correspond to different enemy types. Um so if you see, you know, this big monkey type, you know that they're very agile and will dodge, you want to pull in Dohalim to to slow them down so you can actually attack them. And nearly every enemy in the game has one of those those one-to-one matches or sometimes a couple of things that you can do to stun them. So a lot of the game is about figuring out that puzzle and making sure you're using them at the right at times and saving those abilities. For when you need to use them to lock the enemy down and continue to do your 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 mayhem all over them.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, this is the game that, I mean, despite the fact you, you made some very compelling cases for the last four games, but obviously this is the one that I'm looking at and going, hmm. Yeah.
1: It's easy to get. <laughs>
0: now, I might wait for a little while because it sounds like they have a real case of definitive edition disease. Yes. It's... Oh
1: no, I didn't even think about that now.
2: <laughs> yeah, e- even if they don't, you know, do a definitive edition, eventually they're going to bundle some of that DLC together yeah, um, and make it more palatable. Um, it, it's one of a few, like I've got a few significant issues with Tales of Arise that keep it from hitting the top echelon for me, even though it is an absolutely wonderful entry and a very good point at like, this is the direction that the Tales is going, the Tales series is going. I'm okay with this.
1: A few, yeah, a few minor technicalities and foibles, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually feel what you're saying. And, you know, I, I like that we kind of agree. We both came in at the series at the same time, so we got yeah. literally all of them kind <laughs> of in mind. Um, yeah. But it's still very, very good, and I really don't think anybody should pass it up.
2: And it's it's breaking sales records for the series. So uh, if you have any FOMO, here is where I will appeal to that FOMO to get you to play this
0: game. <laughs> and also chances are, because it's doing extremely, extremely well, you probably won't need to wait five years for the next entry in the series. Yeah, I think they're going to fast track more. Um,
2: but this, you know, this was seen internally as kind of something of a reboot. There's, you know, some new staff on board. They, they took inspiration from a lot of different games, including, uh, and this might seem like a meme or a joke, but uh, in interviews, they've specifically cited inspiration from Dark Souls uh, throughout this. Um, But it's never in ways that feel too obvious.
1: Nothing says that more than, like, the first major boss, right? Yeah, I think everybody was just like, ah.
2: But it's never in ways that, like, okay, they've slowed things way down to match that, or they've made things ridiculously hard. I think they have made a few things a little bit harder than they needed to be, and the pessimist in me says it's because of their DLC structure, where they have a lot of pay-to-win DLC, Uh, as well as costume
0: DLC. I I feel
1: that, but I also did, like, the difficulty, too. I I get what you're feeling, like, yeah, I'm kind of cynical that it was entirely (laughs) for. (laughs) the the, you know the the good gameplay approach but um i don't know i did like that they kind of went on something really hard this time so you know i like that cp kind of you know was a shared kind of pool
2: yeah rather than tp you have these cure points that that just govern your curing
1: Doesn't cp define like two things
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's curing and field actions and that's what limits how long you can go out delving is you know you have to you have to decide oh do i want to use this field action that'll get me to another item or
0: do i want to delve a little deeper by being able to cure three more
1: times <laughs> yeah
0: do you think that they're going to be coming out with the uh, the tale style of you know releasing a brand new game in the series with new world new characters or they release a uh, direct sequel to this like a, <laughs> a rise of the new world
1: yeah i was actually wondering about that myself i really want to know what you thought uh Wes.
0: if i were
2: to bet with with how this this game ends i think there's room for a sequel but yeah. i suspect that they would probably do a new game yeah. Um, they wrap up a lot of the the biggest things hanging over their heads pretty nicely.
1: I could see like a far off sequel, like yeah. you know, non directly related one.
2: Almost like the Symphonia to the Fantasia or something, but
1: but less. Like, like I think it would it would have, like, a certain character's kids in it, you know? I think a certain character's kid would be in it. I, I, th-
2: I definitely think there's room for that, and I think that's something that they could do, even if it's not the next game. Uh, I think they could come back to this, just because of the overwhelming success it's seeing.
1: I also just wonder in terms of, like, asset use. Like, they made a lot of stuff here, so I just wonder, you know, if their interest is really making a new game, or just kind of, if they can reuse some of what they got, even... <laughs> Hopefully not too much, not too badly, but I don't know.
2: And you can you can tell that, like, they were running up, like, they used all of their budget here. Because, like, a lot of the enemy designs were used, including a couple of bosses, uh, which was the yeah. only time that I really felt it. A couple palette swaps. Uh, the, the nice thing is they're not necessarily palette swaps. They at least have, like, a little bit of new rigging on them. Or, or, you know, their skins are a little bit more elaborate than just a recolor.
1: By the end of the game, the enemy variety is pretty disappointing. You've seen them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thrice, if not.
2: The one thing I'll say in its defense is that it does play into that FF10 style. You need to know at a glance what type of enemy this is. It's true. But that might be me being kinder to the game and <laughs> not, not necessarily.
1: And, and, like, I do think it's a lot of work. Like, you know, I don't want to judge how much work this is. Like, yes, same with absolutely. the. Uh, the, the secret dungeon, which, you know, all these tales games have, I thought they had a really cool one in their hands with this one, but a lot of them are just kind of asset reuse. Yes. Uh-huh. And like, I was so happy at first, but then it kind of took the wind out of my sails when, you know, you just went to the forest area.
2: That's one of those where I'm going to be revisiting the post game content a little later when I've had a little bit of a break, I think.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I get that.
2: Cause yeah, I got into a couple of those, uh, the, the optional dungeons was
0: like, uh, maybe I just kind of want to finish this off right now. Yeah. It sounds like this game has a, maybe not as much as a Yakuza game, but it has a lot of side content. Oh yeah.
1: I think it's like 70 quests or something like that.
2: And you know, it's, it's got a mix. Some of them are, are fetch quests and whatnot, but some of them are meaningful, like su- substantial quests that add to the story of the whole game.
1: I'd say there's, I think the game is like, like, I, I don't know what reviewers are talking about. They're like, we're done in 30 hours. I, I thought that was nonsense, but. um,
2: No way. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Uh, I think you're looking at a good, like 60 to 80 hour RPG actually. And it's a very fulfilling, Filling time, like, you know, you don't really spend too much of it bored. Like, uh, they make big backtracking easily. They made, uh, you know, they totally took from, you know, like the Xenoblade style of quick travel, where you could just go just about at any time.
2: Until they hit the last third of the game, and... Oh. They keep taking away your fast travel.
1: I know. And the game felt like it was missing like a back half for some reason.
2: It did. I I was expecting, uh, you know what? That's too spoilery. But I was expecting a little more.
1: A little more, yeah. Like one of the dungeons was kind of a bad corridor. And I was like, "Mm."
2: And then when they take away fast travel at the end of it, so you have to run past. And the enemies are too big. So you can't really run around them in the corridor. So you
1: just kind of do in the dungeon a second
2: time. Not, none of this to undervalue how good. And it ends very, very well. The story is incredibly satisfying beginning to end.
0: No, oh, I believe you. It's just, it's interesting that the, uh, you, like they say, it took about 30 hours to beat and you're taking it to like 60 to 70. And I think that is the reality of playing a, a large scale RPG like this. Like you can yes. race from beginning to end or you can live in the world that's been created, which is I think what a lot of the developers are intending you to do. There was a, I might get into this after we uh, after we finish talking. Have either of you seen the uh, Washington Post article that came out a
1: couple of a uh, couple hours ago? Uh, the game review one?
0: Yeah, there's a video game review process is broken. It's bad for readers, writers, and games. We'll talk about that in a minute, just briefly. But let's finish talking about uh, Tales first. Let me ask you this, then, Wes. Uh, we've talked about the best, I guess, five starting points for the Tales series. If you had to choose one starting point. Which one would you pick? So the tricky part for me is that I I always want to cater
2: to a specific person and I and I want to give them like okay this is your bespoke entry but that's what what that's what the article is for you can go check that out yeah yeah uh, I'm gonna say Tales of Asperia because you can play it multiplayer and if, for my money it is the best multiplayer experience and if you want something really unique out of the Tale series playing one of these stories with someone who you can really enjoy stories with and who you can really discuss, like, the inner workings of the plot and the characters with.
1: I think Vesperia, yeah, is probably the best rounded experience, you know, in terms of, like, the side content, in-game content, you know, the old kind of style of combat mixed with a bit of the new the characters are all really good you know the music is is very fun and f- flavorful you are really
0: singing my song <laughs> uh, right locations now locations are stunning i'm looking for something to play with amanda and uh oh i highly recommend um
2: i played this with uh high school friends at first is when i played all the Tales series but um once i started uh dating my now wife and i got to play it with my significant other um sorry to all my friends uh but it got way better <laughs> because we could we discussed it Aww. more in depth you know uh You spend enough time with someone and and you really get into those deep conversations and these games benefit from
0: those. Cool. Uh, Steph, what about you? If you had to pick a entry in the series that you would start that you would play your favorite entry in the series, what would it be?
1: I I actually think Wes is very right. (laughs) Uh, But like if I'm going, I I really do. Yeah. If I actually had to kind of give something for like my money or for like someone who's kind of more my speed. Uh, I might go with the Tales of Zillia duology because I think that's just like a good kind of, you know, it's a really good meaty Tales experience and it's still very modern. So I think if people like something a bit more modern, I think that'll appeal to their taste. Uh, Or Tales of Graces if they really, really like a hardcore gameplay experience because gameplay in Tales of Graces is like very...
2: Yeah, Graces is kind of a polarizing game, but the... The fans of it are, like, diehard fans. It is their favorite game in the series, and you can understand why when you play it.
1: It's sort of hard to talk about Tales games because, like, a lot of them seem to excel in one very specific <laughs> yeah. avenue. And so, like, it's actually fair to ask, like, do you want your game to have amazing music? Because then I'd recommend you Legendia, you know? Or do you want your uh, story? Then I'd recommend you uh uh, Abyss or even Berseria, maybe. um You know, do you really like the gameplay? Then I say Tales of Graces, just because that game is absolutely crazy.
0: Well, that's one of the things when you have a series that is this long running. And how many entries are there in total, uh not including spinoffs? Oh, I'd have to go count.
1: I'm going to say more than th- I think it's like thirteen or something crazy. Thirteen.
0: So you have about a dozen. G- you have about a dozen games to pick from. Obviously, not all of them are going to be uh rock solid hits, but it's got a good hit rate, all things considered.
1: That's a thing. Yeah, like it's sort of like a very steady well-reviewed series like even if they're not always getting the glowing nines and tens even though well rise actually kind of did uh like they've always been very good easy to recommend series you know i've always like calling it the uh the jrpg comfort food because like you know even if it's not like you know the thing that you're gonna play paste all over your twitter bar and like the game that you talk (laughs) about on weekends and at parties it's still something i think most people will actually play and really 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 like
0: yeah sometimes you want a crunchy snack sometimes you want a tails game
1: oh yeah and it is like you know the the mcdonald's banquet of snacking foods you know
2: <laughs> if you are lucky enough to get that multiplayer experience it might become the one you talk about ah, at parties yeah. it's a hard experience to get right? but it is unmatched in in rpgs for me
1: i actually did a bit of graces uh with with multiplayer so i mean i wonder if that's where you know i might be coming from as well
2: <laughs> yeah it's lovely
1: yeah so much good stuff and you know hopefully i can you still a playstation 3s pretty easily
2: they're available i could steal one from my brother-in-law <laughs> I'll, I'll agree on the zillia recommendation that is those two are phenomenal,
1: yeah. Because then you could at least get like all you know the the Zillias and and Graces, and that's a pretty and Symphonia, yeah, and Symphonia, and that's actually a pretty darn sweet set if you're really looking to get into the Tale series. Well, that's exciting. God, it's hard to deal with generational differences, <laughs> otherwise, it'd be like, go play Eternia, it's the best just, one. <laughs> just port them
2: all over, give them all to us. I like Fantasia. There are so many new versions of Fantasia too that we never got we need them
1: i think a lot of fans want them to just rip the band-aid off and remake it one more yeah. time
2: <laughs> just give us one <laughs> more one
1: more yeah that's perfect looking and we never ever have to talk about it again and give us our you know needs to get there, your dream <laughs> one more oh, in like a cool 2022 remix <laughs> yeah oh, oh yeah i love that they always start the concerts with that one too like it's you know it just fills your heart with happiness and other stuff and gummy
0: well t- we talked a lot about the characters. We talked a lot about the stories and the battle systems. I'm—I I had a discussion question today, and I—we don't have to get super in depth here because obviously I don't—I don't, yes, I don't do. have an answer. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I don't have an answer to this because I ha- played the first one like two decades ago. But I'm curious if you could pick a Tales world to live in. Which would it be? So it's not the not the characters. Nothing to do with the characters or the story. Just the world itself. Which one would you live in? So here's the challenge with this. Tales worlds are not fun
2: places. They seem like fun no. places. The characters are fun. The stories are fun.
1: <laughs> Tales of the Abysses world is a crap sack. Like, it is just broken. It's called
0: the Abyss. I don't think it's going to be a vacation spot.
1: <laughs> it is so broken. It's almost comical how busted that planet is.
2: And then Arise was just like, let's make it worse.
1: <laughs> let's make it worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> um,
2: honestly, even though it's like not a fan favorite, Legendia might be the happiest place to be. <laughs> Like, there's cute little otter people.
1: (laughs) I was actually really sad we never got the Sword of Legendia to expand that world, because I actually thought the whole, uh, like, you're actually, like, if you don't know, Tales of Legendia is actually set on a giant continental ship. Like, it actually moves around. Big continent and it moves.
0: You know what? I'm gonna change the focus of the question slightly. You're not living there. This is called okay. This is now adventure tourism. Adventure <laughs> tourism. You need to you're gonna be visiting a tales world for adventure tourism. <laughs> okay.
1: Adventure tourism. So like if there's some spelunking involved, then you know you go to the abyss world. <laughs> oh.
2: Is is it wrong to say uh Vesperia just for that one town with a giant blooming tree in the center? Just because I want to see that place. Oh
1: I know. <laughs> I actually love how cozy, like, Tales environments are. All the cities and all that are actually very, very cozy in those games. So, crap stack world, but, like, cozy, spa-like villages. I would love to live in the treetop village of Tales of Eternia. That one's cool. Um... Uh, Tales of, uh, sorry, Tales of Eternia also has like a, 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 well, one of my answers to the question when I was thinking about it was uh, Celestia, which is featured in Tales of Eternia as this like technologically advanced planet. And it's actually very friendly. So like, you know, the whole... Uh fun thing about Tales of Arise is kind of the same conceit where it's like you're on the poor people planet and the rich people are are very mean and making <laughs> you do slavey thingies. And uh but and so Tales of attorney actually had that too, and same thing. It was like a, a more advanced race on the other side. But they're actually super duper friendly. <laughs> very cool. So, you know, that one seems pretty cool. That place also has like a gambling town, so that's that's nice.
0: A necessary part of adventure tourism.
1: <laughs> you know. I don't know. They all they all have such cool stuff in them.
2: There's at least one cool town everywhere that you want to visit.
1: Tethiala is really cool, too. You know, it's kind of a bit more modern too. And it's got, like, the coziest snow village ever.
2: And it's got one of the cooler Namcot Isles or, or whatever it was called in that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tales of Zilia, I think, actually has a really cool world, too. It's kind of crapsack. And, you know, they kind of pull a fun twist with what and where it is crapsack. Um, but I actually really like, I really like Olympios. That place is really cool. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get into it in case of spoilers, but like I, I, the Zillia world is actually really cool. And I thought the whole spirit climb thing where it's like the eternal village of night and, you know, and then you have where Jude lives where it's like constantly nighttime, but daytime is really really cool
0: so lots of tourism spots yeah
1: there's a lot of tourism spots. yeah you know what and see that's a big thing about the Tail series is that it's kind of just great fantasy there's just so much cool stuff to see you know and they always kind of landmark these places in the openings so it's really cool to see what they do with it
0: bring a camera see them all play all the games
1: <laughs> no it's so hard to recommend
0: who knows maybe they'll release a like a, a pokemon snap style spin-off for it <laughs> Just let us see all the pretties.
1: Honestly, do it. <laughs> I would buy it like a sucker. <laughs> well,
0: uh, thank you both for talking about uh, Tails because that was – you know, actually very illumin- illuminating for me.
1: Jonah's going to take a new time off and he's going to play some Tales. Uh,
0: well, I am, but I think the next game I'm going to be playing is actually Undertales. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: can we do a, a podcast on that? Uh,
0: I think it's a little bit old, but I probably if from everything I've heard about it, I'll probably rave about it.
1: But you're, we can also talk about Deltarune. I'm
0: thinking about it because we don't have a review of Deltarune yet, so I'm like, if I play Tales, I could probably play Deltarune <laughs> 1 and 2, too. Because I understand why we didn't do it at the time, because it was Deltarune chapter one and we're probably thinking yeah well you know delta Rune chapter two will be it. We'll, we'll we'll review it when they all come out and like
1: three years yeah later. exactly
0: <laughs> um but uh yeah so uh this is this seriously is a series that i'm looking at especially because of the multiplayer aspect and i i have been looking for a game to play with amanda uh lately and this seems like it might be a really interesting choice for that um before we go, I just wanted to mention a uh, an, an article that appeared on the Washington Post yesterday. Uh, this is the this is October thirteenth, and it is called uh, "The Video Game Review Process Is Broken." It's bad for readers, writers, and games, and it's a really really interesting article. I'll put the link to it in uh, the show notes. I don't think you. I mean, I I don't think you'll have to hit a paywall unless you are really into the Washington most and like (laughs) gobble up all of your free articles constantly. Um, And it's just talking about uh, some of the limits that are put on reviewers just in terms of time. Like you get a game a couple of weeks ahead of time and you have to plow through it. And it's very much like you said, which was 30 hours is enough time maybe to get through the main quest of Arise, but it's certainly not enough to get through the game as the all of the experiences that the game offer and that's one thing that we i know that anyone listening to this probably knows but rpg fan we never review a game that we don't finish with with certain exceptions like if the game is broken or like crashes in the final dungeon or something like that that's different but we always put the effort in to complete the game and to see as much of it as we can because uh obviously you're looking at the overall experience And this is a very interesting article because it talks a lot about uh, embargoes and uh, I think it's a side that a lot of people don't see of the video game review industry and some of the reason why a lot of reviews are written the way they are. So I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it yet, do. Uh, have either of you read it already? Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you What do you make of it? I think it raises a lot of
2: points that I've been thinking about since before I was <laughs> writing much for games, uh, mm-hmm. but it puts it in a in a very good way, in a holistic way that makes it apparent how much it affects every step of the process, which is something maybe we're, we're missing so often. Uh, there can be a, a lot of uh, let's say negative reactions to reviews, positive, negative, no. anything in between. <laughs> um, I know this is a
0: shocker. Uh, sit down. Steph, have you ever had to deal with any negativity on social media about, about reviews
1: oh my god
0: (laughs) just feeling Uh, faint from this revelation
2: i i'm I'm assuming
1: i'm on board with that article just because just the way people talk when they talk about reviews like it's not really right like people want objective viewpoints and it's like just at the outset i'm just like what even is that though it's
2: an opinion piece like reviews are by definition
1: (laughs) reviews are just by somebody who can write really good and is probably very likely passionate about the game everybody's everybody's opinion on a game is a everybody's review of a game is just an opinion. I mean, yours, mine, it didn't matter. And you know, people want some sort of like certification that we have the legitest review of them all.
0: Yeah. And we all, we all want clicks. We all want people to read our stuff. Um, my personal philosophy of reviewing is that especially the video games, games are expensive. They're very expensive yeah. mm-hmm. and you need you don't need someone to tell you it's good or bad, but reviewers will give you a barometer whether or not you should be able to afford this. Because if you only play like one or two games a year, uh, you're spending like $70 or $80 on each one, depending on whether or not you live in Canada. Um, you it, it, you want to make sure that at the very least, it is not broken. Uh, it is going to offer an interesting experience, maybe a varied experience. Um, and it can be very, very tricky to, put together a review that accurately reflects all of the content in a game, especially in the time limits that we're given. And I was thinking about it. There's really the only other form of quote unquote art that I can think of, uh, that takes as long as a, like an RPG, for example, to absorb is maybe a book. Mm -hmm. And like a publisher would never give a book reviewer a 500 page book two days before embargo because they know that the person wouldn't be able to finish it. And unfortunately this is the reality that a lot of reviewers uh, are faced with and they are like RPG fan has our completion uh, policy, but some other sites don't have that because they are, you know, they're in a slightly different business than we are and they have to come out with the reviews. So someone will have to play that game in two days, possibly not sleeping. And then they're going to have to write it as well. And it can be anywhere from a thousand to a 5,000 word review. And that it's going to damage uh, the content of that piece. And the the view that they give of that game is not going to be as complete as it should be. Now, there's a lot to say about like, this is not necessarily the fault of video game developers or, or marketing agencies or publicity either. Like, you know, they send out the game when they get the game.
1: Probably the thing that makes me saddest is like how often at the end of the day it's really the score people are looking yeah. at. Yeah. You know, so like you do all of this work, all of this fuss, and you know, people are just looking for that final grade and think, What? 70? This felt more like an eighty. I'm like Yeah,
0: and again, it's 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 a it's not it's not definitive. Like scores, yeah. words, it's it's the opinion. I have games that I adore that are not uh, quote unquote, editor's choices, but yeah, they are games that I treasure. Um, I don't think I gave a Yakuza game above an 80 until like a dragon and I adore the Yakuza series. So yeah, it, it depends on the game. It depends on the person. It depends on how long they have to play the game
1: so much, you know, it depends if you got into the Tales series from day one, or if you got in, you know, in 2015,
0: we all come into our gaming, uh, our gaming preferences with a lot of history behind us and that will impact how we absorb a game yeah and the way that you or west will play a tales game is going to be considerably different from the way that i play it Well, what, what i like most
2: that spoke to that in the article was where uh the author talked about there being kind of two schools of thought as to what a review is for whether mm-hmm. it's for a purchase or whether it's um you know, almost something more, you know, you're looking for a unique viewpoint. You're looking to offer something almost yeah. more transformative. And I tend to enjoy the latter, but you cannot do that on a review timeline.
1: No.
2: On, on Embargo, you cannot make a, like a nice transformative uh, review.
1: That's why like uh, like video game analysis is sort of taken yeah. off in a way, you know, because or these kind of long form reviews. On YouTube
0: especially. After the mm-hmm. fact, a
1: month after the fact. I actually think they're great too. So I mean, I'm not even complaining if that's if that's what it is. It's one
0: of the reasons why I really like retro reviews. For example, Audra uh, released a Chrono Trigger review a couple yes. of months ago, a retro review. Um, she had never played Chrono Trigger before, and Ooh. I mean, obviously, we blew past the embargo on that one, but
1: only about two decades. It's okay. But
0: uh, she was able to approach Chrono Trigger in a way that I don't think i certainly would not be capable of approaching chrono trigger because Mm -hmm. i played it on day one and have played it continuously since um incidentally she still friggin loved it because it's chrono trigger for god's sake but (laughs) she was able to provide a perspective on it that i had never read before and i really like i really like retro reviews and i think that youtube provides a lot of that too um there are a lot of Uh, A lot of people on YouTube that provide um, amazing, amazing reviews of both current games and retro games. Uh, Lady Pelvic does fantastic work, for example. Uh, Yeah. And I, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put the link to this newspaper article in the show notes because I think it's a really, really interesting piece obviously i'm biased because i'm a review manager and that is one of the reasons why it is a very interesting piece to me but regardless
1: a lot of people are really commenting on it though i think a lot of people are really you know kind of finding something to relate to in it. yeah I,
0: I think it's i think it's really worth a read i think it's a, a very interesting uh thought-provoking piece anyway thank you both so very much for coming on and talking about yes. tales with me and, and talking about that review article it was an absolute pleasure and i have been putting quite a bit of thinking into it and i'm going to give that article another uh, another reading at some point in the near future and i might just pick a game to play with amanda um anyway but so thank you for uh coming on thank you everyone uh listening for well listening uh in about two weeks from now we're going to be getting back to normal here on random uh we're going to be you know talking about reviews and games and things we have some big games coming out so stay tuned um but this is not the only podcast we have here at rpg fan we have Some other ones, we have Retro Encounter with the incomparable Mike Solosi. Uh, We have a bunch of episodes coming up. Like we talked about the quiz show episode was a couple weeks ago. Check that out. Coming up, uh, I'm actually on two episodes coming up uh, focusing on Cosmic Star Heroin, which is a retro style RPG, which is now retro because it's a few years old. That's a little scary to think about. (laughs) And uh, the big thing, Solosi announced this on Twitter so I can announce it. Uh, We're going to be having two episodes on Star Trek adventure games. I am so excited. Um, So yeah, there'll, there'll be more about that in the future. Uh, We also have rhythm encounter, which is RPG fans, music podcast next week, next Monday, we're going to be having the piano episode. I host that one. Uh, I just recorded it a few days ago. It was an absolute delight to record. There's some amazing music in it. Uh, So super excited about that. Then there's going to be the title screen music episode. So that music that you uh, that plays over the title, yeah, there's some good music there and you're going to be hearing all about it. Um, and we also have Phoenix Edge, which is our partner podcast. That's with Hat and Eric. They talk about all the latest RPG news. So be sure to check them out on YouTube. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can fire uh, random off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for future episodes or discussion questions, uh, anything else you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we love engagement. If you'd like to send me an email directly, uh, you can do so at jlogan at rpgfan.com, or you can find and, you know, add me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jono underscore Logan. I would love to add you on Twitter. So just uh, give, me a, give me a follow on there and we'll see what happens. But let's talk about some of the other uh, the other people on this podcast. Uh, Wes, where can we find you online? Uh, your best bet is to find me on Twitter at Wes
2: uh, I always got a lot of pies in the oven, so... If you want to see what's going on, there's always something popping up.
0: See, you can pie. How can you beat that? Like cherry, blueberry, apple, so many different nice kinds Nice little of bit of pecan. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes, yes. Oh, I, I want to follow you for that. <laughs> um, and uh, Steph, where can we find you on uh, all of the social medias?
1: You can find me at Dice SMS just about everywhere. Uh, I, I, I usually do deal in images and pictures and I draw lots of pictures and sometimes I draw pictures and fan arts of uh, RPGs and other video games. So if you like pictures, art, uh, I usually like sharing dorky video game things too and these days I've been drawing for video games so come follow me at DiceSMS.
0: Well actually why don't we give you a little shout out there because uh, your artwork actually made an appearance on a Kickstarter I believe wasn't it?
1: It's true, yeah. Yeah actually uh, yeah right now we have a Kickstarter game going right now. It's called uh, Shrine's Legacy. It's a two player co-op RPG so so, Jono, uh, we're totally oh, speaking your hey. language uh, in several months. Uh, but, yeah, it's a two-player uh, action uh, co-op game. Uh, it looks a lot like, um, what do you, I think it looks a lot like Illusion of Gaia and Secret of Mana. So, I think fans of those will probably be pretty satisfied with it. Check it out if you want, or just check me out at Some SMS. I got the links to it there. Or, you know, whatever. Shoot me a message. I dear fans
0: well thank you both very much for being here really appreciate it yeah it was much fun
1: i love talking tales tales. it was such a great (laughs) article i didn't i didn't have a chance to pop in with that i've been so busy lately but like it was a great article
0: thank you so much and if you want to check out that article the link will be in the show notes so uh thank you very much for joining us we'll be back in two weeks with random and until then you have yourself a wonderful time playing your games